Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Let's get to our counterpoint tonight. We got Omar Khan, public affairs over at Hill and Knowlton Strategies, and tonight Jamie Ellerton, principal of Canaptus PR. Hi, guys. How you doing? Not as busy as you because, of course, you're busy with pot. Melissa's six, busy six with days pot. till the end of prohibition. Yeah, are you busy with pot too, Jamie? I'm not busy with pot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's illegal. Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about um, this little problem about the housewives of ISIS men. Um, you know, the bottom line is they want to come back. There's a number of them overseas who went to fight the fight with their husbands. The question is, should they be brought back? I want to play you a little bit of audio that I think will play on the emotions of a lot of people. But the question is, are they part of this thing or is this manipulation or are they victims? Take a listen. We're going to die here, khalas. My kids, for what? Why, why will my kids have to suffer? Anyone? Why? <sighs> I don't I didn't need to cry. Well, I just, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm just, I'm physically tired. I'm sick. And that's it. You're sick. You're physically tired. You're in your dead. Everything you get yelled at. You have, you have nothing. No extent. Nothing. And then they tell you, live on your own. Get your the best medicine is outside. I can't take it anymore. I can't. And then I can't Yeah. So you know, it's not the nicest life after all. Apparently, uh, Jamie, what does the government do? They've got a problem on their hands, exposed by Global News. Is uh, Stuart Bell? What are they going to do? Uh, I think the government's definitely got a problem on their hands, as well as the political optics for how this plays back at home here in Canada. Uh, ultimately, I think these women will have to, with their own families, find their own way home, but I don't think Canada should take steps to bar them. Uh, I think they should definitely be interviewed, and if uh, there are warranted uh, statutes to prosecute them for crimes, then they should do just that. And if we don't have laws in the books that say if you go fight for a terrorist organization abroad, you're a criminal, then uh, Parliament needs to pass one because uh, people like this should be held account for what they've done. Yeah, Omar, I'm not sure this government wants to go that route because they, well, they're soft on this issue, bottom line. And, and they, in past practices, you know, we know that there are ISIS fighters coming back, but their view is that we have no, no right to know. So I think if you can prove that anyone has actually fought for ISIS or actively participated in violent activity on behalf of ISIS, uh, that should be a criminal offense. And I would encourage the, you know, my friends in Ottawa, my, my friends in the Liberal government, uh, to consider, uh, you know, amending, legis- amending legislation yeah. to that effect. With respect to the wives, first of all, let me say, let this be a learning to anyone out there who might have a romantic notion <laughs> yeah. of, you know, <laughs> I'm going to go and and, 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 and and you know, fight the good fight. And I'm look, these people are terrorists. These people are criminals. These people are barbarians. Don't go. <laughs> Uh, 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 you and know, don't have kids, for God's sake. That sakes. being said, uh, you know, my understanding is some of these these women are as young as like 15 or 16. Look, people are well, very... Well, then there's no reason not to charge the men that took them because that's underage 100, sex. 100%. Uh, but, you know, people at that age of, of, of either gender are can be impressionable at times. I'm not saying it's an excuse. <laughs> it, I'm not saying it's an excuse. Uh, but but uh, you know I am somebody who grew excuse. up I am somebody who grew up in in a Muslim community, albeit in a in a very liberal family. Um, so I do understand that there are various pressures and brainwashing at play and and whatnot. If the woman participated in a criminal activity or violence of any kind, uh, don't bring her back. We should charge her. We should charge them. But look, I, I think there are there, we have to look at every case on an individual basis. 
uh, if there is a case where somebody was perhaps manipulated or brainwashed and went over, you know, everybody deserves a second chance if you didn't commit a crime. Let's talk a little bit about a big decision that came down. We'll go more in depth with um, uh, Grand Chief um, uh, from the First Nations at 9 o'clock. But the Supreme Court of Canada today declared that the Canadian government does not have to consult with First Nations on policy. Jamie, had this decision come out like two weeks ago when the government had announced it was uh, not going to appeal the whole Trans Mountain? I mean, I wish it had come out sooner. But nonetheless, it's a big deal because had this gone the other way... I think we'd be finished as a nation. But what does the Trudeau government do to strike the balance here? So I think this is definitely a good news for Canada today. Uh, the Supreme Court has reaffirmed that uh, Parliament is sovereign and ultimately reigns supreme in this country. And to your point that you were just making, Alex, this is why a lot of people who uh, were critical of the Federal Court of Appeals decision as it relates to the Kinder Morgan or whatever we're calling the Trans Mountain Pipeline Dome by taxpayers now decision that came down where the, court sent, the Federal Court of Appeals created a bunch of conditions that didn't exist within the National Energy Board's review process and impose that on them, and the federal government decided not to appeal. I think if you look at what this issue is, and I, you kind of hear this a lot with First Nations and Indigenous issues, uh, people like to roll out the Indigenous communities and present them as kind of politically opportunistic on their side. But one of the things that's also got lost in the Federal Court of Appeal and Kinder Morgan uh, decision is there are like dozens of Indigenous communities that have actually signed on to the project and support yep. this thing. Uh, ultimately, I think when Parliament gets a say, uh, Parliament should have the final say on, on these sorts of matters. Uh, and if there are actual treaty violations going on, great. But saying you didn't do enough review of what's going to go on with the orcas, uh, frankly, I just don't buy it. Yeah, Omar, I mean, look, not all First Nations groups are against this. I, I certainly um, know that some are. They're very yep. angry about this. But there's going to be a balance struck by the Trudeau government. They said that they would consult. They made a lot of promises to Indigenous groups. So what do they do? Because we've got to get stuff done in this country. It's not getting done. And I think a lot of Canadians are looking at this saying, OK. So my understanding of today's ruling is that it was on whether or not every single piece of legislation passed by the Parliament of Canada has to be subject to consultation with First Nations. It did not apply specifically to land use. And the court of the earlier Court of Appeal decision applied specifically to land use. Look, the, the, the Trudeau government, I actually thought they probably should have appealed. Their rationale was, you know what, that's going to take years. By the way, if it's, they appealed and this decision came down, would that... It doesn't affect... It doesn't, it doesn't it affect... Because, because, okay, because that, 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 that decision was related right. to use of Indigenous lands uh, or, tra- or traditional Indigenous lands. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I th- their rationale was if we appeal, it's going to work its way through the courts for years. Let's just get on with it. Let's let's the court gave us specific directions on what they needed to do in terms of consultation. Let's start that. Let's get this thing built. At the end of the day, it's the Pretend. outcome that I care about. This thing needs to be built. Uh, we 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 have a we have a natural resource that is on in high demand in the world. Uh, we have other players, other countries that have you know not the most stellar reputations in terms of human rights and other things. Yeah, you guys are all buying our time. Uh, and hmm. you know, at the end of the day, I think that most of the world would prefer to buy this resource from Canada than others. Uh, so we should get this built. We should get our product to market. Uh, and I, you know, I, I think the Trudeau government is there. Um, it's just a question of what's the best path to do that to get it done quickly. Well, they don't have anything standing in their way now. Hey, no name-calling here. Just differing opinions going head-to-head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. We got Omar Khan and Jamie Ellerton facing off. Let's talk a little bit about Kanye West, shall we? So, 
On Tuesday, uh, CNN's Don Lemon has his show and show, and there was a conversation taking place about Kanye West, and I heard it, and my eyes kind of popped out of my head, because to me, it was racist. Maybe I'm wrong, but take a listen to this exchange about Kanye West involving Don Lemon, two other African-American pundits, and a white Republican who is very quiet. Take a listen. Kanye West is what happens when Negroes don't read. Um, and, and we have this now, and now Donald Trump is going to use it and pervert it, and he's going to have somebody who can stand with him and take pictures. <laughs> Just looking at Scott's Listen, black folks are about to you know, trade Kanye West in the racial draft, okay? They've had it with him, and he's an attention whore like the president. He's all of a sudden now the, the, the model spokesperson. He's, he's the token Negro of the, of the Trump administration. This is ridiculous, and no one should be taking Kanye West seriously. He clearly has issues. He's already been hospitalized. Okay, so... I like to watch people's reaction when they hear this, and it's the reaction I had. Um, so I'll start with you on this, Omar. You know, it's fair to go after Kanye West. Yep. You know, if he wants to get political, it's fair to go after him. Um, but not only do they make fun of his mental illness, which apparently is a big no-no, which we're told, but is that racism to you? I don't know if it's racism. I think it's definitely inappropriate, um, you know, for sure. Would the uh, white d- guy who was very quiet, Scott, what if he had said it? Would it have been, what if he'd laughed along? Probably a lot of people would have thought it was racist. And, and there's Only because the white guy laughed. But, 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 but what I will say, I, I think that African-Americans have a little bit more license in talking about African-Americans than others. I, I genuinely believe that. But look, at the end of the day... Well, hold on. Isn't this about leading by example? Look, at the end of the day, I think it was inappropriate because for whatever it's worth, 8% of African-Americans voted for Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And you may say 8% is a small number, but... 8% of 300 million or, or however many Americans there are is, is, is a fairly large number. And, you know, that 8% needs to be respected and, and they shouldn't be demeaned for making a voting choice that I definitely don't agree with and the vast majority of African-Americans don't agree with and the majority of Americans didn't agree with. But at the end of the day, that's their choice. And yes, Kanye West has problems and he has credibility issues. I wouldn't, I don't think he should be demeaned for supporting President Donald Trump. Okay, but Jamie, I look at this and I say, you know, we've got a big issue with racism. There's a big division on this very topic. You know, you've got groups like Black Lives Matter. And, you know, then to see this kind of language used, don't 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 you have to lead by example if you want to actually stomp out this kind of behavior? Should they lead by example? Yes. But I to, to pick up on Omar's point, I do think people of a color have license to kind of say these things in the same way that the LGBT community uses that F word that ends with a T uh, that they would take great offense uh, to. On, a, on a cable from, news network that goes around the world? Like I mean, look, person. this isn't a small platform. This is a very big platform. And if Don Lemon, who in March was going after Roseanne Barr, um, basically saying, well, well, do you have the clip of the Roseanne comment? Take a listen to what Don Lemon was saying in March. And I want you to go off of that of, you know, if it's not OK for Roseanne Barr to do it, then is this any different? Take a listen to what Don Lemon said in, in March. This is much, much bigger than Roseanne's dumb racist tweet. This is about the normalization of racism across this country. This is about people who now feel free to say exactly the kind of thing Roseanne said. Right. So I listened to that and I'm like, okay, but isn't Don Lemon then, Jamie, normalizing and laughing and poking fun at something that really should not be okay? 
Uh, listen, I'm not going to defend it, but I do think there is a different standard when someone from a community is talking about the community rather than when it being someone from a different community is talking about another community. Uh, we're not going to solve this here on the panel tonight. Uh, I do think the, two, uh, the comment was obviously inappropriate, but I think it's well documented how these things kind of permeate around it. It's actually a part of pop culture. Listen to how popular music, how many times you hear the N-word dropped. Sure, uh, but I mean... This is uh, the reality like, of what we exist in the 21st century. Right, but we're talking about, you know, the virtue signaling and the civility. I mean, it was Hillary Clinton that just said, you know, we're going to bring back civility. And I, I don't look at this as very civil. you got guys like Herschel Walker speaking out. There are actually a number of black people speaking out saying, this is not okay. And I agree, it's not okay. I will point out that one of the people on that clip is a Republican strategist, or at least a former Republican strategist. He'd not that that done. makes it any... No, that, not be... that that makes it right. Uh, but, you know, uh, look... At the he he end didn't of the say day, anything, though. Let's be the, clear. He didn't say or laugh. No, no, he was really it's, uncomfortable. It's, it's, it was one of the women who, yeah. who, was, who was talking on the clip. Um, at the end of the day, President Donald Trump uh, elicits a lot of uh, strong emotions in people because some of the things he has done and said, I will actually characterize as racist. Now, does that excuse people from, for, does that excuse Don Lemon for using an, a language that I felt is inappropriate? No. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we have to look at the broader context around this issue. Yeah, I don't, I don't buy it. I think, you know, you're, you got a network that big, platform that big. I think you got to be responsible. I, I wouldn't get away with it. And if one of my guests on my show ever behaved like that, I'd shut it down in a second because it just wouldn't be okay. I mean, I, I just think you got to take some responsibility. So let me just bring us into the next topic about Ontario, because Ontario and Quebec seem to be kind of going in different directions. Ontario is um, giving religious accommodation to Sikhs who now don't have to wear motorcycle helmets. So they've got their rules. Meanwhile, Quebec is going in the opposite way, threatening to use the notwithstanding clause on religious standards. So we seem to be moving in two different directions here, Omar. Yeah, the, 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 the helmet issue is, is a tough one. You know, I, I've been a political operative, as has Jamie, for, for, for a while. Look, I, I've been in rooms, I was in rooms with Kathleen Wynne, where mm-hmm. I was begging her to move on this, mm-hmm. uh, because I felt it was the right political thing to do, and she didn't want to do it. And to her credit, thing. she did not want to do it, because she had been the Minister of Transportation, and she saw the safety stats, yep. and, she, you know, she, didn't, she did not want people to die. And if you, ask, if you talk to traffic safety experts... The, the injuries resulting from motorcycle accidents uh, where, the, where the individual has not been wearing a helmet are horrific. Sure. On the other hand, you know, there is a civil liberties argument to be made. Manitoba has done this. The United Kingdom has done this. You know, I'm not going to fault the Ford government for moving in this regard. I, I just think it's a very difficult public policy issue. Uh, yeah, and, and you'll be shocked. I kind of agree uh, with Kathleen Wynne. It's either safety for all or none. I've, I've got about 30 seconds. Uh, Jamie, where are you on this? Yeah, I would choose a safety for none on this one to pick up on the paradigm that you just expressed. If you look at how dangerous it is to ride a motorcycle, you're already making a really conscious decision to put your life at risk driving on the highway. And it's not even that you're a bad driver, it's everyone else around you that uh, will potentially impact you. And if you're going 100 clicks or more down the 401 and you get into an accident with a four-wheeled vehicle, let alone, say, an 18-wheeler, chances are your time on this earth is done. I do think that we can relax these laws, but I think the other part 
that kind of plays into this to moving beyond the Sikh community on this is who ultimately pays for the health care costs for your yeah. own stupidity fund. These Any insurance. Yeah. Um, and exactly. So I think there's a, why should we have to all pay for that expense uh, when it's the own people's uh, stupidity? So I think the religious accommodation aspect here is reasonable. Um, but if they're going to continue to open this up, then uh, how we ultimately pay for this in the healthcare system needs to be addressed. Absolutely. Guys, I got to leave it there. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Jamie Ellerton and Omar Khan joining us tonight for Counterpoint. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.